him. Can you give us a song? You've got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Do you not know this song? I, of course I know this then song. Then why are you singing with me, you asshole? <laughs> God damn it, Ryan! <laughs> Anyways, um, the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. Thank you, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> one of the best songs I've ever written. My brother and uh, my my dear sister-in-law. That wasn't their official wedding song, but it was their <laughs> wedding song. And uh, when it came on, they had a you know a really big wedding party, and like just my immediate family stood up. We were probably already like, three sheets to the wind and sang <laughs> that song with the passion of a thousand suns. Um, how are you doing? Doing okay. It's freezing. Really cold in your it's office. Really cold everywhere. Um, I had a weird day. It's always weird when when the like I have a bunch of like cancellations in a day because I haven't like mentally prepared myself to do administrative work, and then all of a sudden I have this time in which I could be doing administrative work. But are people canceling because it's cold out? Uh, not really. Everyone seemed to have like just all manner of things going awry. Part. Other apartments running late, shit like that. Are you sure it's not you? I think it's it probably is me. Thanks for the thanks for the support. <laughs> I really appreciate the support, Kate. I really do. No, I only ask because my classes have been have been have not as populated this week, and of course, it's can all only about assume that it's because I'm a terrible person. Probably. No, I'm kidding. Um, I it's know. it's interesting though. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I like that. Um, it's not and as good I did without... it with avocado in my yeah, mouth. Yeah, no. I think this was the avocado that made it happen, to be perfectly honest. It sort of lubricated the sound. Um, what are you looking for right now? <laughs> oh, <All> Right. <laughs> So, uh, I've actually been thinking about that, how with each season we find a new opportunity to make people feel like garbage for not coming to yoga. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, really cold outside, come warm up. The studio, it's warm here, come. You know? Like, I think about the yeah. the wash of sort of Facebook promotions I see mm-hmm. in the summer. It's really hot, come to the studio. There's AC. There's AC. <laughs> Yes, there's shelter. That's the... Yeah, that's... Well, but, <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so how's, uh, how's your burnout? Oh. Uh, it, it's better this week. I mean, it's always an interesting additional layer when you throw on top of it that I have to go out and spend money uh, on gifts. Sure. You know, and that always requires time. I... Had it in my head, I was going to go to CBS and print out some photos because I have this camera that I bought myself at one point in time and I took really beautiful pictures. Everybody I took pictures of, a lot of them passed away, and then I sort of just stopped using the camera, so sure. all of the pictures of those people are on there. So I went to CBS to resurrect these images, and uh, the computer was old, but I was stubborn, so I stayed with it. And it took like an hour and a half, which should have taken like probably 15 minutes. Um, so it's just like little things like that that happen all day, every day, leading up until uh, the Lord and Savior's birth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in I'm going to need you to do the rest of the podcast in that. <laughs> probably a horribly offensive accent. <laughs> Deeply offensive, yeah. Um, although, interestingly enough, and shittily enough, it's like it's like the one accent you can sort of get. A, it's still sort of okay to do. Yeah, we're like ah ha 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 ha. We can make fun of Appalachians. Yes, it's really fucked. Yeah. Um, and my friend Shauna, who's a brilliant writer uh, in Indiana, brought that to my attention because I was going in and out of various accents when I met her, and that one popped up, and she's like, oh, "Of course, that one came up." That one's okay, right? You can make fun of poor people, huh? And I was like, oh. <laughs> Good point, Shauna. Anyways. Um, yeah, the burnout thing, I'm, I, there's not enough. I, you know, 
I, I feel like we can't actually talk about it this week because it's so fucked for everybody. Sure. Is that a, that's a, that's a brush off, isn't it? I apologize. That's like a not really. I'm trying, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm, real hard. I know you're trying. I know you're trying. Know <laughs> what about you? How's your, how's your two days off in a row going? It's going well. I still like. <laughs> I might, I might need to find like just like plot out a few days a month that are just like dedicated admin time because that's still the thing that I'm kind of like because I don't want to do admin work on Sunday and that's like the only time that I necessarily have to do like anything that takes like a long chunk of time and isn't just like answering emails and fixing things in my body Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm I'm still wrapping my brain around that but it's good it's good why what is your slowest day teaching lines Usually today, usually Fridays. So maybe Fridays are your admin day? Well, I can't like block a whole day off when a day that people normally come in to see. Well, then you didn't answer my question correctly. What is your most vacant day Friday. organically? But they still like have usually have two or three people come in. And that's the most vacant day? Yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you got to, like, block it. Yeah, I think you just have to block it a month, Ugh. month out. Um, but that's okay. I can do that. Um, but I do feel more Wednesday-like today. It doesn't feel quite... Mainly because I've just been a lazy fuck all day. <laughs> so. But just Ryan being a lazy... It involves answering emails and planning workshops. <laughs> so it's like not lazy at all. It's not lazy, but I have to force laziness on myself. Sundays are the day I barely wash my hair. And if you wonder, if you, for those of you that don't know, I have um, the great honor of being the owner of the world's oiliest head. <laughs> let that one land (laughs) hide it under a basket no I'm gonna let it shine (laughs) (laughs) did you see the picture I sent you of the Christmas lights in the yoga room yes what did you think um thought it's an odd touch (laughs) you have Christmas lights in your studio they're like just little LED lights. They're not, but they're there all the time. That's what these are. They're tiny little LEDs. They're oh, they looked much the brighter. Time. They looked like big icicle lights. Oh, no, no, no. No, they were weak. They're, they might not be as small as yours, but they're pretty tiny. They're not like the yeah. little drop-down things. Yeah. I was actually thinking a lot about it, and I wanted to talk to you about ambiance in a yoga studio. <laughs> like, I, I've got okay. a lot of thinking about it. What do, what do you want to talk the art of ambiance and the importance or uh, vanity of thinking about ambiance because I think both qualities exist in sort of creating space. Sure. I mean, there's... you. A physical space can have quality and a lot of that not quality that's not the right word um physical space has uh, can evoke a feeling and um it doesn't necessarily um It doesn't necessarily mean you have to, like, go all out with, you know, making it this pristine environment. Um, You know, I I have experienced a number of of, uh, times walking into a studio that, uh, like, new studios when, when they're sort of just, like, fresh coat of paint put up and there's 
you know, it's just like grand opening sort of thing, and it just doesn't doesn't feel like lived in, mm-hmm. and that it's not really inviting. And is it the people that make it inviting? Is it the fact that you you know a certain like number of practitioners getting in there and practicing, and it being being a space for people to practice that makes it a, a, a space that people want to be in? Uh, or that some people might want to be in and others might not want to be in. Um, that's all very interesting. Um, it's but, super interesting. But there, uh, but I think it's it's less what you put into the space and more that the space is cared for. Does that make sense? I think cared for is way too generic a term because it's completely subjective to what you think cared for means but i hear what you say about tended to yeah no that's what i mean is like if you walk into a room and there's a pile of blankets and they're just sort of thrown on the shelf that Yes, yes. Whether whether that evokes a feeling of like OCD, I have to fix that, or it it just is a feeling that is not, you know, you're not really conscious of that. There's a particular. Uh, the medium is the message. And if you walk in and everything's sort of put away nicely and 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 put to get put together in a thoughtful way, then that provokes a certain other feeling but I think it's a really fine line because people can get really kind of like fussy about it um and and then we get into the conversation of like oh do we need these like like pristine settings and to practice yoga um and I don't think it's a question of it being necessarily pristine I think it's just a question of it being um in a very simple and pragmatic way, tended to. Yeah, because I think about the times I've walked into brand new studios, like you were saying, and um, everything is pristine. Even the blankets are, there's a crisp fold and everything's linear. And you're like, oh, this has all of the ingredients for for a peaceful space, but it feels like there's a sharpness to it when it isn't. When there isn't, like, just a little bit of filth that uh-huh. comes from being loved and used. Um, it's almost like a cast iron skillet. You know, you use it, you care for it, you clean it, and then it has its own flavors. There's this residue of, of energy of something being loved. Yeah. And, and of use. It's the velveteen rabbit of the yoga room. <laughs> the props or oh, the yeah. wood floor or the... Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it um, a lot because I teach in a couple different spaces and it affects how I teach and it affects mm-hmm. I mean not I wouldn't say profoundly but certainly a different like a, a place that I teach that is not a de- completely dedicated, dedicated yoga yeah. space it's still very beautiful um, and it is still very close to being a yoga-only studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about, like, a gym where they come in and do Tabata. This is, like, a space that's dedicated for quieter practices. But I do think there's, like, Pilates and bar stuff in there and stuff with sneakers occasionally. But yeah, for yeah. the most part, it looks pretty yoga. But the, the energy in there, for me, feels different. Mm-hmm. I go in there and there's, like, a, there's a less permeable... Mm-hmm kind of shield I go in with. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm in, like, a place that feels very yoga and is solely yoga and is barefoot, yeah, you know, there is but, something But then happens. you run in, you, you also run into, like, what makes it, like, is the Ganesha at the front of the room the thing that makes it feel yoga? Like, that's the question that I, like, no, never. Never. For me, it's um, scent and light are huge. Scent, light, and temperature 
very important things for me. If like if there's fluorescent lights yeah, yeah. or the lights are somehow sharp or I can't necessarily control them to fit what the room needs, that to me doesn't feel homey. So that's light. And then scent, if I, if it doesn't smell... Like, I burn incense or sage. It doesn't have to be that smell, but it has to be, like, clean. Like the smell that's in the room right now. I can't smell anything. Oh, because the space heater is probably the thing that you smell. But I was burning incense over there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, it, I need to not notice the smell unless it's, like, pleasant, intentional yeah. incense smell. And a lot of times, you know, that's hard when you have classes where you walk in and it's a wall of, like, armpit and crotch smell that you're walking into. Um, because then you're sitting in the energetic residue of somebody else's experience. I may call a little bullshit on that. Go for it, Paul. I may call a little bullshit on that. I mean, um... Because it, with everything, you can get, like, way too... That's the word I'm looking for. You can get fussy about it. Like, that. that's the... That's what I, you know... Because, yes, you'd like to walk in to have this, you know... Pre- I'm not saying pristine, though. No, no, not pristine. Um, to, to have a place that feels tended to and is, is is a space where you uh, have the best chance of people coming in and feeling sort of safe and at home to like lie down and take care of themselves um, but if you let that all go out the window when there's a smell or when a phone goes off or when a uh, the blankets aren't folded neatly or uh, I, I don't know whatever the case may be like that is not helpful either okay well you said one thing that was hyperbolic and that's if you let it all go out the window I'm not positing that it let that when that happens a class should be derailed or shouldn't happen or should all go off the rails mm-hmm. what I'm saying is if you walk into a room that's like has a pungent aroma of human body, that is pretty universally powerful for a lot of people. And not everything I think about is trauma-informed, but specifically, scent is the strongest uh, sense tied to memory. And to walk in and smell body is can be powerful messaging it's just you have to understand that no matter what you're walking into you're always walking into messaging yeah so i try to edit as best i can so that there's the least amount of messaging that might make it more difficult for somebody to practice their yoga like and so i've gotten to a place now where i understand what variables i like to try to control Uh uh-huh um and if I can't control all of them, for example, if there's, like, crazy noise out the window or somebody's screaming at their neighbor out the window, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you still have to, you go on. But the things you can control, you know, tidying up, sweeping the fucking floor, sure. making sure it doesn't smell like whatever, you know, those are, I don't think that those are um, too high maintenance to be considered, like, high maintenance things. No, I, I don't, I wasn't saying that they are either. I, I'm saying that a lot of times like people's uh, teachers specifically reaction to it um, makes it more uh, of an issue than it needs to be. Do you feel like it's teachers or or studio managers slash owners? Well, I don't really, I don't work now places where there's like a lot of staff. So it's mostly just the teachers where like the reaction to something that's very simply taken care of like oh it's cold in here i'm just gonna walk over here and turn up the temperature instead of like someone didn't turn the heat on like (laughs) you know what i mean like it it, that sort of we, we can get like very very wrapped up in having this sort of 
very curated um, uh, space that we need in order to, to practice. And uh, I think that that is um, uh, can become neurotic. What can start out as just a genuine concern to, to make a yeah. to make a make students have a pleasant um, or not pleasant. It's uh, not the right word uh, to have an experience that is uh, potentially positive um, by coming into this space can quickly turn into this kind of like neurotic control of exactly what temperature it needs to be in. Um, oh, a light bulb went out. Like, I've got to yeah. go get a ladder in the middle of class and put the light bulb back in. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm being hyperbolic. But, like, the it can very quickly tip to neurosis very, very quick, quickly. So, you know, I find myself because um, I've been at classes with, like, really well-known teachers in which in the midst of a very, very, uh, the one uh, instance that comes to mind is we had just done quite a long period of pranayama and we were in Shavasana and a cell phone went off and the response was, oh, it's over, it's ruined. Everyone roll off to the side, come up, we're going to finish class now. Oh. And all of us were so deep in it, we were just like, you're like, what the fuck? I don't, I don't think anybody who was practicing noticed the phone. And so we just have to, like... Because, it, you know, we're talking about external forces here, but this can very quickly, I think, um, evolve into a conversation of, um, you know, just personality. Like, yes, as a yoga teacher, like... You want to, uh, as best you can, go in and be helpful to as many people as you can be. Um, and a lot of times that involves um, sometimes in a healthy way and sometimes in perhaps not so healthy way, leaving part of yourself at the door. Like, I'm going to now step into this role to hold old space, whatever the hell that means, um, for people. And so then I need to set my whatever aside right now. Maybe that's part of an identity. Maybe that's just the type that I, maybe you've just had a shitty day and you just have to be like, well, I, I need to just leave all of that <laughs> at the door, deal with it later and be present for these, you know, five or ten people in front of me so that I can teach class. Um, but at, as much as that can be a healthy function, I think it can also become an unhealthy function. Because if, on a radical level, some part of the yoga practice is about becoming comfortable with yourself and you find yourself just constantly editing your personality or your interest or your whatever to present as a yoga teacher that becomes problematic you just took a totally big left turn conversationally and i want to i want to understand how that linked in so that was really interesting it linked in because we're talking about curating an experience and part of that experience is how you present yourself in front of the classroom, as well as how the classroom physically presents itself. And I've been thinking a lot about um, the very subtle ways in which we all, and again, for good reason, I'm not saying that we should not do this, we, we present ourselves, there's a performative aspect of being a yoga teacher. And when does that come into conflict with just being yourself? And if we're really going to talk about deconstructing as much as we can this kind of uh, hierarchical relationship, 
as a lot of people are talking about nowadays between the person in front of the classroom and the people in the classroom, um, as much as it's possible to deconstruct that, at what point is, you know, when is that performative aspect really serving serving that hierarchical? And when is it deconstructing it, too? And when is it deconstructing it, and when is it, when is it done in the service of uh, being sensitive to people's needs? When is it done in the service of, um, like, again, I'm not saying that there's, I, I know the right way to, I, I'm No, this is a really interesting conversation that not a lot of people are having, I think. Um, But there's this thing that happens, and the best way I can think to talk about it is theater terms with the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. You know, you come into class there, the longer you've been teaching, the more economy of language you have, the more condensed you can deliver your message more succinctly and efficiently. You can say what you need to say in the best possible way for the group in front of you. You pull from that Rolodex. Um, What I notice, almost universally both myself and everyone I've ever taken a class with is this performance, this fourth wall thing that is a hybrid mechanized improvisationally um, adaptable Mm -hmm. script of how you talk about yoga and it changes, it evolves, but it is that. Yeah. And then there are windows. Yes. (laughs) There are windows in between those, um, I almost want to say it's not a soliloquy. What is it? But there are windows. Monologues. Yeah, there are win- windows in between those monologues where the actual person breaks through, and it usually happens when there's somebody in the class that they know, or they're exhausted, or yes. they're super happy, or there's some like interesting disruptor that yeah. enables them to stop and be like, "No, you guys, no, really, it's like this thing," and it's like you're having a conversation. Yeah, and. I think about that often because I am hyper aware of when I do it. Yeah. And I'm hyper aware of when I see other teachers have those little breakthrough moments because oftentimes they're the most transcendent moment of the fucking class. Yeah. When a teacher is like, stops and has a revelation about a shape or screws up and talks about the screw up and then reframes. And I wonder to myself sometimes, is that the object? Is that the goal to someday be teaching a class that is one hundred percent conversational? Conversational. I mean, that is one hundred percent. Like you know, I think back to to taking with with Barbara for seven years. I mean, she is one of the most conversational teachers that I think that I've ever experienced, um, and conversational but do you mean fourth wall conversation no that's what i'm saying but there's still because she is employed she is she is teaching a shape in the moment of bringing someone into a form is it worthwhile to be conversational It is if you have, I think, it, it is worth it for it to happen occasionally if you have students that come to your class all the damn time. Sure. You better have some in, new insight into that shape. It better not be the same. But isn't that, isn't the conversational just on a, just a purely, like, there is some expectation of, even in someone like Angela's class, of like, Angela is going to prompt us in some way to move like a mildly crazy person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that is what we have signed up for and yes there may be a conversation about how that feels but within that moment of being coaxed into something can the fourth wall really be deconstructed I'm not sure that it can you are still submitting there the hierarchy can't fully go away because there's still going to be this uh, hopefully, uh, 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 sort of acknowledging acknowledgement that you are uh, either putting yourself in someone's hands, hopefully by choice, to because they either have been practicing longer or because you appreciate their perspective and are interested in a new perspective. 
And I think it, yes, and it becomes that is that the fourth wall changes from being a kind of performance that is scripted to improvisational performance, but both of them have elements. Yes, of both have elements of, of. I mean, you can't step in from the room and, and present to people without having some. I don't know, maybe you can. <laughs> That's what I was just trying to, <laughs> I was trying to suss that out. Like, when you have, have you ever, I've never seen you do it, but I've seen it happen where all of a sudden the teacher is like, you know, like, they yeah, have like yeah. a moment where they're not talking, they're sort of talking to us, but they're yeah. like also talking to themselves and it's like not performance, it's thought. Yeah. It's rare. And it's usually like more of a, rewiring of short-circuiting rather yeah that's interesting so how space ties into performance well because we were all we were we were acknowledging that that to a certain degree the quality of space of a practice of a practice space is defined by the the people who are caring for it and, and sustaining that space to practice in yes so the the so therefore the teacher is and the students are part of that conversation it's wild you know you want you want yoga to be able to give people a place to practice being comfortable and being alive and being uncomfortable so you don't want to hyper um what's the word when you go to a hospital what do you do if you're a doctor you wash your hands no <laughs> god where's my language scrubbing um, yeah you so do charades. <laughs> it's a it's a term referring to something being sterile. Sanitized. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's sterilized. Yeah, it's something like that. Whatever. You don't want to sterilize the experience so much, hoping to incubate a false experience. You know, of like, oh, there, here's consistency. Here's your comfort. Here's your home away from home. Here's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a silver fucking platter. Although there is value to that too, but you know. It needs to also be that you're okay if yeah. there's still super important yoga that happens in a smelly, cold, loud room with the blankets unfolded. Yeah. I don't know. I was teaching last night. Um, I was teaching hip-hop last night. And halfway through, the alarms go off. Of course they do. <laughs> and the alarms have been going off a lot lately. It's an old building. Um, this particular... Studio. The like full alarm or just the sprinkler alarm? At first it was the full alarm. Okay. And then the more ominous light alarm came oh, on. Fair. So at first I was, um, you know, because it's been going off like every week right around my class time. <laughs> so it's a sign. It's also, it was hip hop, so it sounded like it was part of the song. And, um, you know, I had a lot of people that were like, didn't do anything. And I was like, don't worry about it, guys, it's fine. And then I was like, Jesus Christ, maybe it's not. I peeked out the window and sure enough, people are running around, like grabbing jackets and shit and like, getting weird. And I peeked my head. I was like, do we need to evacuate? And the woman was like, yes. And so and I was like, okay, guys. And everybody's in their tank tops. And it was like two degrees out last night. Yeah, yeah. And so all the yoga students had their blankets on and went outside. And then we went back in. And I was like, I have 15 minutes less of class. What the fuck do you do with 15 minutes left of a hip-hop yoga class where everybody's freezing cold? But, and because it had happened a lot at the studio, I've been talking a lot about getting comfortable with inconsistency and... Yeah. How is that? But at some point, it's like... I I just need to trick the fucking fire alarm. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um... 
ancestral. No, oh, no, you don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you brought it up. Um. Uh. uh Anyways, so, check out Anna Forest Facebook page and have a conversation, and then message us about it. But fair some, enough. There's some interesting stuff up there. Um. So if. So Kate. <laughs> if you were to come up with a exam Ooh, fun. for your for, for Chauncey's Bendy Bond <laughs> for Chauncey's Bendy Bond now you don't have to have an exam to be a Yoga Alliance no. certified no, no that, so that's an elective no it's not even anywhere not that I've ever seen included in the um uh, in the Yoga Lion standards. But my first training, there was an exam. It was very short. It was maybe like a page, like front and back. Mine would be essays. Essay only. Um, because anything that requires rote memorization is, Not. as we know, pretty fucking useless. And <clears throat> uh, any... I think anything in that department would so oversimplify. Yeah. What would your what would the um, what would the essay question? Well, I'd want to ask questions, and I haven't thought about this enough to to decide what questions specifically I would ask. Sure. But I would want to ask questions that made the person really reflect on um, accountability. Uh-huh. And power dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I would want them to be thinking about their blind spots. So I yeah. would be trying to ask somewhat leading questions that would force them to reflect on uh, their maybe unexplored personal weaknesses or bias or potential places where they um, are most likely to, to fall into patterns that... Mm-hmm. You know, and these are the same kind of questions I would want to ask anybody that works with that works with people in in a in a somewhat and I, I don't want to use this word, but works one on one with people in bodies. Yeah. Like I just want to hear how people are thinking. Yeah. Um. Would there be? I'm just. Would there be? anything objective worth asking or would it prompt too much sort of rote memorization I think that to select only a few things that you posit are the most important things to have memorized is problematic because it is there is so much and it's like you can't half ask people to study Sanskrit. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a you that's can't a half deep ask well. them you know, <laughs> to understand the subtle body and to talk about chakras and to talk about even the, the yamas and the niyamas. Like I, I feel like I wanna understand that people are engaged, but the pool is too big. Yeah. For uh, a shallow water walk. For uh, A B C D. Yeah. No, I'm 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 just I'm just asking what your because I've I've seen exams from many different schools now, um, and uh, they all tend to have more kind of like multiple choice type questions or sort of like list two points about this asana. Like two alignment points. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look know, at this picture. What's happening? Yeah, here? like it. I, I guess the thing is, is you are inherently by giving an exam with those type of questions on it, assuming that a pose has an alignment. That is somehow separate from the body doing it. Right? Yep. And even if you put a fucking picture, 
I mean, what from a 2D picture on a piece of paper, like, that's a whole person doing downward facing dog. You need much more than a 2 or even 3D image to talk to them about their downward facing dog. Um, and it just seems silly. And I don't actually think um, that it facilitates learning. And I don't think that it um, ensures competence. Ensures competence, and I worry that if uh, that you know, if and when uh, you know someone steps in and decides that there needs to be sort of something more rigorous than than yoga alliance in an objective way, that there will be these type of exams that you have to take, and um, you know, to a certain degree, like. Like, it is very useful in my body and my practice to be able to, in a systematic way, count through muscles and bones and organs. Do I think that that inherently makes me a better yoga teacher? No. I think it sure as hell helps me. But I I don't think that it would, especially I don't think that it would necessarily help someone be a better yoga teacher who teaches a 15 to 20 person class at a yoga studio somewhere. Um, I think, uh, you would need, you would, you would just have to have some other, other metric. Because I guess the other thing is with these tests, like if you don't pass them, what happens? I don't think anyone ever fails this shit. No, you just keep probably. Oh, I doubt that. I taking bet. it until you pass it, right? I don't know. I I've never heard a place that's like straight out like, "Sorry, you spent money." It's over. yeah. No, I don't it's think over. you could legally actually. Oh wow! So for me, I, I feel even more assured in my answer if I was going to have, and I would not even a test. It would be like final project. The writing bit is important because this is an oral tradition. Sure. Teaching is speaking. Yeah. And speaking is assembling ideas together, and that's, you know, so I, I would want to encourage. I also was thinking in, in light of this, um, something that uh, I don't know if Barbara ever explicitly said this, but it was certainly implicit, um, and, and it's not entirely without problem. But that she could tell much more about how a person taught by how they practice. Not, not about how adept they were at doing deep back bends or forward bends or arm balance or anything like that, but, but how they responded to being in her class. And I, and I to a certain extent, like, I kind of find that to be true. I can tell a lot about how someone might teach by observing them in a casual way being in class practicing Um, just how they move their body and how they you know the process that they're going through now obviously I'm teaching slow enough that I might be able to ascertain the process that they're going to if I was like zipping them through all of the poses in 90 minutes, then no, I probably wouldn't be able to. But I've always thought about this in, in, in regards to that whole idea of like testing in teacher training. It's like, I think I practice really different than I teach. Not what I teach, but like, I think that by the time I'm practicing in a public class, that's very different than well, what sure. I do at home. So observing how I, because oftentimes in class I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. But that, I don't know, and maybe that's just unique to. But I guess maybe I do that when I teach too. Uh, like, if you don't want to do that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on on who's who's leading the class and who's doing doing always. But like, I, I just. 
I actually think in many ways they probably do. The, 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 this idea of trying to have an objective test at the end of a teacher training probably does more harm than good because it reinforces this learning pattern of objectivity and it reinforces that the, the, the shapes are more important than the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, maybe somebody could figure out a way around that, but in a, in a 2D sheet of paper type exam, I just, I don't see how that's possible. Um, but and, also, like, unless it was a creative, like, a, a well-crafted sort of like essay form, I think you, you could, you could maybe, uh, lead people into, into exploring some, some really important questions, but it wouldn't be about the internal rotation of the arms or, you know, something like that necessarily. Yeah, the, te- the test would, would have to be a lot of what might this be? Yeah, yeah. What might be a good thing to do? What might you consider? But yeah. not what do you consider? What should you do? What never comes before this? What always... Like, as soon as you get, like, really rigid yeah. about shapes uh, and the order in which they're presented and what's appropriate, you know, for for what body, it's, yeah. it just takes away the thinking piece that can only happen by being awake and, yeah. and looking yourself. Like when you, like you said, when you're memorizing shit, you're like, oh, great, now I don't have to think about it because I haven't memorized. I know. Yeah. No. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really don't. And the other thing I don't think I would ever want to see on a test is something weirdly diagnostic. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that implies what, sh- what is the best thing to do if somebody is experiencing these things. Anything that sort of leads to the implication that you might be able to ascertain what somebody is yes. injured with. <laughs> yes. You know, it's... like, what might be going on in their body? Is it A, fibromyalgia, B, explosive diarrhea, like, whatever <laughs> it is, like, I don't, I don't want anything in a test that implies a scope of expertise that certainly wouldn't come out of a 200-hour Sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So again, um, the answer to everything is scratch and sniff and the essays. Scratch and sniff? I like this, the scratch and sniff. That's a good idea. Um, right, we should come up with a test. We should. We should come and up with a test. And let's give it to each and other. And then, and then give it to everybody. Okay. <laughs> We're going to come up with a, with a theoretical end of, end of yoga teacher training exam. Okay. I like homework. This is what we're going to do. And Oh, and if you want to take it, you'll message us and we'll send it to you. You're really putting us in deep here because the odds that we're actually going to do this is... No, I'm trying to... Let's find a way to make this a No, wait, we can make it. We can make it happen. We can totally make it happen. Um, we'll or... just put a form on the website. I can do that. You just have the to test send me form? a question. Yeah, just a form. Oh, on so your I have to come up with the questions. No, you send yeah. me your questions. I write my questions. I make a form on the freaking website and put it up. God. Do you even know the login to the website? It's somewhere in a <laughs> I know how to Google. You're going to have to send it to me again. Um, so I feel like we have just enough time to cover one more thing on this wall of. Safety is fallacy. Do we want to talk about that? Or do we want to talk about queerness versus homos? <laughs> um, safety is fallacy. I don't want us to be using the word stretch anymore or twist. I know that's your, yeah, that's that's your itch. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm okay with, as a noun... To refer to the act of the spine accommodating rotation to be twisting. Oh, huh. It is a, the, the spine is experiencing twist, but still it's rotation. I'm okay with that. It's just not as a verb because it, it, it gives the spine agency that it doesn't have. What are you fucking talking about? When you turn like that, what are you using to power the turn? Everything. Is it everything? Mm-hmm. Are your paraspinal muscles powering the turn? On one side. 
Is that your Paris finals or are those your lats? Well, it depends on if I'm tipping. And every twist also goes up and either over or up and back. Yeah. Just by nature of gravity. Uh-huh. So then Paris finals but, would have to come online. Yes, but not as a power. What is what is doing? Okay, we'll we'll finish this. We'll talk discussion about this. After. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm with you on it. I, yeah, understand, yeah. I understand that and stretch. You know, we both Marie and Brianna. Uh, but but this idea that I mean, and this goes back to the objective testing is that there is inherently like that we could by saying these five alignment cues make sure that everybody in the classroom is 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 perfectly a hundred percent safe it's um, a lie it's, you're it's, never safe it's it's really it's a it, it's a lie it also you know i, I think but it not, when you say is, safe it also implies danger and you plant the seed you know I, i'm just not a, a big fan of energetically i've been using that word a lot i gotta check in but I'm not a big fan of constantly saying, this is how you stay safe. And and this is the safest way to do that because it plants constant seeds of you're unsafe. Yeah. You're in danger. You should yeah. feel activated right now unless you do this, 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 yeah. and this. That I will. A grand you. yoga master that, that I am. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's it, it's silly. Also, safe from what? You know, like these these the word safety is often thrown around, but never paired with what we're uh -huh. what we're what we're so scared of. You'll be safe from what a micro tear. Yeah. Yeah. When in reality, you know, it's. So. This is fun. Um, so I lost my train of thought. Um, safe. Safe is just not. Um, I. Uh, I, don't I think know. It's, it's judgy. It invokes fear. And but it also is is used as a as a way to be like I know the right way, and everyone and else is one. wrong. Mm -hmm. Um where there could be this discussion about, um, well, how are you support setting up your support for the pose? How um, far into the range of motion of your joints are you taking the pose? Uh, what is the range of muscular engagement? Not on or off, but what, what is the, the muscular sensation coming from this pose? What's powering the pose? What's steering the pose? Um, like there could be a, uh, you know, that to me is what um, learning about anatomy and biomechanics doesn't make yoga more safe. It gives people choices and it gives them the agency to make their own choices because they understand what the variables are. So they understand that on a given day, you know, if they start to move in one direction that they moved in that direction a million different times in their yoga practicing lives and they all of a sudden feel a sharp pain in some part of their body that they understand all of the possible variables not maybe not all of them but they understand some of the possible variables that they could move and change and mm. adapt to yeah. to uh come out and away from that um, as opposed to thinking of the shape as the final destination and then learning a bunch of like strange modifications and things that you need to, to, um, arrive through the back. Yeah. Way, yeah. So I, I agree with that as the toolkit, um, a safety toolkit, understanding actions in the body yes. so that you can understand choice. For me, the biggest thing that we can do for whatever this quote unquote safety is, is encourage deep attentiveness and listening to your own experience because there are many people that will take yoga that will never understand or never be interested in um, anatomical actions and what parts of the body are moving and their names and all those things so to take you know to care for them the best thing to do is but hey, what what do you identify as discomfort or yes. pain and are you hearing it so and and when I say um, anatomy 
and biomechanics, I don't necessarily mean Latin. I mean the simple fact that I can fold my knee and I can unfold my knee. And I can, you know, what is essentially folding and unfolding my ankle and folding and unfolding my head and moving my leg away from the body and moving my leg towards the body. You can talk about it in very simple terms Mm -hmm. that are very sort of like accessible. Um, Don't require flashcards. Exactly. Exactly. And so how deep someone goes down that, that well is entirely up to them. And usually when they go down that well is when there is a particular area of discomfort that is somewhat chronic. And then they go down that well and unpack what the hell's in that area. So, so it's, it's not that you can go take a course and then understand this like perfectly and then always be safe in every yoga. Like, no, it's much more complicated than that. But, um, to, understand that there are even choices to be made whether you're attaching that to the understanding of the body or just the understanding and interpretation of sensation or the understanding of your practice in relationship to your psycho-emotional field like it it doesn't there there's a very large toolkit but if the if the shape is the thing that is supposed to be um either providing a pathway to some form of transcendence or purification or self-care or therapy, if that is the centralizing factor, you're fucked. You're fucked. Because any form can be used to feel anything, but it's a tool to feel something or to experience something or to move the body in a certain way or to simply have fun. Oh my God, I'm going to tie it back in. Go for it. (laughs) The same is true of space. Yeah. If the lens you require is one that's fixed in rigidity and is like, I can only practice over here or surrounded by these people or with this teacher under these circumstances or the shape in this way, you're fucked. Because it's one thing is guaranteed. It's all going away. Yes. Whatever comfort you have and consistency is on its way out. Like, I know people that are like, oh, I really only take class with, on this day, with these people, and this is what I do. And the truth of the matter is, like, that's not enjoy the season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (sighs) So we brought it all back to impermanence. (laughs) Yeah. Aww. It's that time of year. So... Um, so today's uh, word... Oh, the word of the day. The I, almost, of, I almost shut us down before we had the word of the day. Let me just... Would have uh, been a I wanna... crime. Would have yeah, crime this is a against good humanity. One. I hate that card game. Cards against humanity or crimes against humanity? Cards. Um, I think that you should maybe make a card game called car- uh, Crimes Against Humanity. <laughs> okay, so the word of the week is madrigal. Uh, it's a part song for several voices, especially, uh, it's from the Renaissance period. Yes. Typically arranged in elaborate counterpoint and without instrumental accompaniment. Uh. Have you been listening to a lot of madrigals lately? No, but I gotta tell you, (laughs) the way my brain works, like, words just that have no utility to me... (laughs) whatsoever will come lopsing into my brain and then they just sit so apart from doing your 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 test you're part of the the test mm-hmm. um i feel that you should um come up with a way to uh use the word madrigal in a piece of workshop copy or class copy <laughs> or facebook <laughs> post copy that is my assignment to you. You want me to get madrigal? It, yes, somehow. Damn it. <laughs> it's okay. an elaborate counterpoint in multiple voices. Usually without an instrumental accompaniment. Do you think I'm going to promote a hip-hop class with it. Yes, okay, there we go. That'll work. Okay, that makes sense. And isn't problematic at all. <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, well, well, this, this has been, been on <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it happened. Um, We've synced our cycles. <laughs> cycles that I know of, do you? Men have cycles. Well, you they just happen too frequently to, to, to anyone to notice. You don't have the kind where you bleed through no. holes that I know about. No, we don't have those. Wow. We don't have those. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, please uh, like us, review us, send us test questions you might like to see. Um, I would like the question to be the test to be four questions. Okay. So you come up with two, and I come up. No, with no, no, two. no, no, no. Fuck that. I come up with four. You come up. No, nope. I come up with. It has to be an odd number. I don't feel right. Okay, so I'll come up with three, and you come up with three, and we will cut two. Okay, that's fair. Because um, one of a few of them might be the same, so we should. We should we should plan for that. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, like us on Facebook. Give us reviews. First priority of any of those things. It's a lot of work. I just asked from you, but is use magical in a sentence. Use magical in <laughs> a sentence. Um, thank you for listening. If you made it this far. Uh, bye. Bye.